Thank you, Shadow Mountain Band. We appreciate you all so much. Since it's Christmas Eve, and since it's just really a big family gathering, and since many families are gathered here in this room, from kids to parents to grandparents, since many families are gathered with us over the live stream, I thought I would offer a reminder to our little kids, especially since it's Christmas Eve, that when mom and dad later say that it's time to go to bed, it really is time to go to bed. <laughs> our kids, and, and especially our son Max, were, were late-night or last-minute theologians, Always wanting to talk about deep theological truths right when it happened to be bedtime. I think it was a combination of genuine curiosity and, of course, a tactic to get to stay up as late as possible. Dad, just just explain the Trinity to me one more time. Maybe you've had a similar experience with your kids. But it reminds me of a famous Christmas poem. Since it's the night before Christmas, perhaps later at your house. Not a creature will be stirring, not even a mouse. Hopefully your children will be nestled all snug in their beds while, while visions of sugar plums or, or, or maybe Skittles dance around in their heads. But as you're hanging stockings by the chimney with care, what if all of a sudden a noise comes from upstairs? The sound is such an unusual clatter, you bound up the stairs to see what's the matter. And what to your wondering eye appears, but all your kids with their Bibles open in tears. (laughs) So you ask, did you hear a noise in the attic? And what are you doing? To which they reply, Dad, we don't understand the hypostatic union. (laughs) Perplexed and feeling impatient, all you can say is, what incarnation? But dad, they blurt out, please explain the incarnation. You know there are still so many presents to wrap, so you assess the situation and and with quick thinking and tact, back down the stairs, you fly like a flash, you grab your cell phone and call Art Cash. (laughs) He can answer their questions. This will, be, this will be great. Now you can finish your gift wrapping date. But alas, Art's been asleep since quarter past eight. So to the TV room you dash, grab the remote, you're back in a flash. Kids, grab your blankets, you announce as you run through the door. You can snuggle together right here on the floor. Your questions are great and deserve a reply, but it's, it's already so late, you say with a sigh. And of course, as a result, your kids start to cry. Okay, then. Let's watch YouTube, you say with a smile. Your kids cuddle up, sensing no guile. Smiles emerge as your kids start to beam. That is, until you say, let's rewatch tonight's live stream. (laughs) Within moments of hearing the sermon on repeat, your kids drift off, fast, fast asleep. (laughs) Preach. Honey, from down the hall you hear, disaster now averted, you call out, coming, dear. 
Thank you, Lord, you say as you turn off the light. Merry Christmas, little ones, and to all a good night. (laughs) Yep, always been my favorite Christmas poem. (laughs) So parents, I'm, 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 I'm trying to serve you well to preemptively address the deep theological questions that might come up later, and I'm trying to address them early enough in the evening so that tonight when you say it's bedtime, it's just, it's just lights out. The primary text upon which our sermon rests is Colossians 2.9. For in him, that is Jesus, in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, utterly amazing sentence. Now, we'll spend time hovering over this idea for a while because what makes, what makes Christmas glorious is who the little baby is lying in the manger. So, let's consider the sheer awesomeness of the one who came upon a midnight clear. So, Spirit of God, inflame our hearts now with love for you so that in our hearts we might regard Christ as holy. Lead us by your spirit, I ask. How awesome is the one whose first cradle was a feeding trough? Consider, Jesus Christ is the most unique person who has ever lived. He is the one and only Son of God, John 3.16. He is the one and only mediator between God and man, 1 Timothy 2.5. So far... That's pretty unique. One of one is exclusive company. Jesus is also the most interesting person who has ever lived. Colossians 2.3 says that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in him. Just, just think about that. So, so anything you find interesting or anything you find valuable about any topic, any idea, any person, any place, or anything in the universe. You could trace it back to Jesus and in him find the root of why it is so intriguing. For that matter, Jesus is the most capable person who has ever lived. The crowds were astonished, they said. He does all things well, Mark 7.37 Jesus is the richest person who has ever lived. A cattle on a thousand hills are mine. Psalm 50 and verse 10. Jesus is, without question, the humblest person who has ever walked on the earth. John 13, 14. He is the most confident. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Matthew 16, 18. Jesus is the most creative person who ever lived. The sky above proclaims his handiwork, Psalm 19.1. And he's the most compassionate person who ever lived, Mark 6.34. Jesus is the most content person who has ever lived, Matthew 4.4. He's the most forgiving, Luke 23.34. The most restrained, 1 Peter 2.23. And the most resolved, 
Luke 9.51, Jesus is the most righteous, Mark 1.24, the most peaceful, Isaiah 9.6, the most patient, 1 Timothy 1.16, the most powerful, Mark 4.39, the most truthful, Romans 3.4, the most trustworthy, Matthew 28.20, the most obedient, John 4.34, the most faithful, Proverbs 18.24, the most feared, Matthew 8.29, the most free, Matthew 4.10, and the most famous person who has ever lived, Isaiah 26 and verse 8. Further, Jesus is the most joyful person who has ever lived. Hebrews 1.9. Jesus is the most loved. A woman once wiped his feet with her tears. She was so overwhelmed by the love that he had shown her. Luke 7.38. He is the most holy Revelation 1.16. He is the most exalted, Philippians 2.9, and the most worshipped person who has ever lived, Revelation 5.13. Jesus is the Father's beloved Son, Luke 9.35. He is the exalted Son of Man who rules a, a magnificently diverse kingdom with an everlasting dominion, Daniel 7.14. He is the image of the invisible God, Colossians 1.15. He is the heir of all things, Hebrews 1.2. Jesus is the bright morning star, Revelation 22.16. The dragon slayer, Genesis 3.15. The judge of the living and the dead, 2 Timothy 4.1. The creator of the world, Colossians 1.16. And the sustainer of the world, Hebrews 1.3. And Jesus is the alpha and the omega, Revelation 117, he is the king of the Jews. Matthew 27, 37, he rules a kingdom not of this world, John 18, 36. He is the great high priest, Hebrews 4, 14. He is the prophet whom Moses wrote about, John 1, 45. Jesus is the son of David, the Christ, Matthew 20 and verse 30. He is the wiser Solomon, Matthew 12, 42. He is the second and final Adam, 1 Corinthians 15, 22. Jesus is the word of God, John 1, 1. He is the end of the law, Romans 10, 4. He is the true tabernacle, John 1, 14. He is the one who binds the strong man, Mark 3, 27. Jesus is the firstborn of the dead, Revelation 1.4. He is the one who has conquered, Revelation 5.5. 5. He is the one worthy to open the scroll, Revelation 5.7. He has overcome the world, John 16.33. He destroyed the works of the devil, 1 John 4.8. Jesus disarmed the demons and put Satan to open shame by triumphing over them on the cross, Colossians 2.15. Jesus is the one upon whom the Spirit rested, Matthew 3.16. Along with the Father, Jesus is the sender of the Holy Spirit, John 16, 7. Jesus is the one making all things new, Revelation 21, 5. And Jesus is the salvation of Israel, Luke 2, 30. Jesus is the Savior of the world, John 12, 47. He is more superior than angels, Hebrews 1, 4. He holds the keys to death and Hades, Revelation 1.18, Jesus is the bread of life, John 6, the light of the world, John 8, the gate for the sheep, John 10.9, the good shepherd, John 10.11, the resurrection, John 11, the way, the truth, and the life, John 14.6, the vine for the branches, John 15, the rock in the wilderness, 1 Corinthians 10.4, the lamb of God, John 1.29, the root of Jesse, Isaiah 11.1, the lion of Judah, 
Revelation 5.5. He is our wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. 1 Corinthians 1.30. Jesus is the greater Abraham, greater Jacob, greater Isaac, greater Joseph, greater Moses, greater Temple, greater Joshua, greater Samson, greater David, greater Esther, and greater Jonah. Jesus is a greater prophet than Isaiah and a more powerful prophet than Elijah and Elisha combined. And I'm just scratching the surface because all of the scriptures point to him, Luke 24 and verse 44. Jesus is the yes and amen of God. 2 Corinthians 1.20. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords, Revelation 19.16. He is the good news of the gospel, 2 Corinthians 4.4. He is the radiance of the glory of God. God himself, Hebrews 1, 3. He is one with the Father, John 10, 30. He is the second person of the triune Godhead, John 17, 5. Or, I guess I could have just saved some time and said, baby Jesus is the great I am, John 8, 58. So as you celebrate the baby in the manger, remember who he is. In him, the whole fullness of God dwells bodily. The multi-glorious son of God, born in a stable. No one saw that coming. Now, let me tell you something really amazing about Jesus. Jesus was also the poopy, pinkish, bare, drooling, cooing, helpless, vulnerable, fidgety, wrinkly, presumably ten-fingered and ten-toed, stinky, uncircumcised, crying baby in the manger. This is the miracle of the incarnation. Jesus is fully God. And Jesus is fully man. Two natures in one person, an utterly unique hypostatic union. In Jesus, the fullness of God dwells bodily. When Jesus was walking around Nazareth and Galilee and Capernaum and Jerusalem, no one wondered if he was truly human. In fact, if you would have asked the people who knew him, if Jesus was a real person, they'd they'd have given you the, the squinty eye like, huh? Yeah. What do you mean? So in addition to the awesomeness of the godness of Jesus... Let's hover hover over the normalcy and the thoroughness of his humanity for a moment. Like all of us, Jesus was born. Luke 2.7, he was circumcised on the eighth day like other Jewish boys. Luke 2.21, Jesus grew in stature like other boys. Luke 2.40, he got tired. John 4.6, he became thirsty. John 19.28, he got hungry. Matthew 4.2, he walked. Luke 4.30, he talked. Luke 2.29, 
He listened to people, Matthew 15, 28. He asked questions, Mark 9, 21. He slept, Mark 4, 38. He wept, John eleven thirty five. He got angry, Mark 1, 41. He became very physically weak, Luke 23, 26. He bled, Luke 22, 44. He died, Luke 23, 46. And, and we could go on and on and on and on. But in his humanity, Jesus didn't just experience things physically. In order to really understand the fullness of his humanity, we have to realize he also experienced emotions, just like we do. His soul became sorrowful even to death, Matthew 26, 38. When Lazarus died, Jesus was deeply moved in his spirit, John eleven thirty three. His soul was troubled, John 13, 21. He prayed with loud cries and tears, Hebrews 5, 7. Though he was a man of sorrows, Jesus also rejoiced often, Matthew 18, Luke 10, John 15, Hebrews 1. In fact, John Calvin said, Christ put on our feelings along with our flesh. And that's good for us to remember. Further, Jesus also had a, had a human mind like ours. For example, he increased in wisdom, Luke 2:52, and he reasoned from the scriptures, Mark 12, 24. He had a human will. He had to decide whether to walk to the right or to the left. When he was a carpenter, he had to decide, do I make a box or a stool? Do I eat or pray at a certain time? Do I go to a party or not? He usually said yes. More importantly, in terms of his will, he said, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me, John 6.38, In the garden, he said, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass me by. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will, Matthew 26, 39. As the writer of Hebrews puts it, Jesus is like us. He was like us in every respect, body, mind, heart, will, etc., except he was without sin, Hebrews 4, 15. But think about why this is so important that Jesus not only experienced our humanity physically, but he did in terms of his mind, in terms of his emotions, in terms of his will. What if, as Jill mentioned earlier, you came here and you are just broken? What if, what if your will leads you into trouble all of the time? What if because of traumatic experiences or for whatever the reason in our fallenness, your emotions just seem fragmented and broken so often. What is the good news of the gospel as it relates to the incarnation? It is this. As important as this is, Jesus didn't just die to redeem your old nature. Jesus died to make you whole. Body, soul, emotions, mind, will. One day, you will be perfect in the presence of Jesus because of Jesus. John summarizes the miracle of the uniqueness of Jesus like this. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth, John 1.14.
This is who this babe was, who was lying in a manger, in a manger that first Christmas morn. So during Advent, at Christmas, we are celebrating the incomparable, the absolutely incomparable humility of the Son, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality of God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, Philippians 2, 6-8. So tonight, first, we exult in Jesus for his humble coming to us, It is impossible for us to understand the fullness of all that he left in order to rescue us from the dominion of darkness. But we exalt in Jesus, not just for his coming to earth, but in his sharing our humanity, which is what made our rescue possible. The fully God and fully man mediator between God and man had to be so. Unless Jesus was fully man, unless he fully shared in our humanity, unless he truly represented us, unless he became one of us, unless Jesus really lived as a man on earth, fully tempted by sin, but perfectly victorious over it, he could never have served as our sin substitute on Calvary's cross. Further, his life lived in perfect holiness as the God-man is what made the great exchange possible. Our sin for his pristine righteousness. Jesus had to be fully man, body, soul, mind, emotions, will, all of it, because as one early church father put it, that which he has not assumed, meaning taken on himself, that which he has not assumed, that he has not healed. And by his stripes, you are healed. If Jesus had not been fully God, he could not have absorbed the full measure of God's infinite wrath against sin on Calvary's cross. He was made like us in every respect so that he might become a merciful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the people. Hebrews 2.17. So, to, to cap off our praise tonight, we rejoice not only in Jesus' coming, with his incarnational sharing of our humanity and in his sin bearing for our atonement, but also for his glorious ascending. Summarizing the gospel tightly, Peter puts it like this. Christ suffered the righteous for the unrighteous. Do you know how the verse ends? That he might bring us to God. So at Christmas, we primarily celebrate the the descending of Jesus from heaven to earth. But consider for a moment that as the firstborn of the dead, the reason the ascension of Jesus from earth back to heaven is so important is because it fully completes his work of redemption. So he sits down at the right hand of the Father. Brothers and sisters, what that means is that right now, a real live flesh and blood human being is not sad, but joyful, is not disappointed, but satisfied, 
is not scared, but rather is without fear in the presence of God himself. And we are in union with him. This is why the writer of Hebrews calls Jesus our pioneer in bringing many sons to glory, Hebrews 2.10. Jesus has blazed the trail to true and ultimate glory, namely pleasures evermore at the right hand of God. So whether you realize it now or not, know that because of Jesus coming, because of his sharing, and because of his bringing us back to God, one day you will be perfectly joyful forever because of the gospel. So on this blessed Christmas Eve, rejoice in his coming and his sharing and his bringing on our behalf because that's what makes this night above all nights a most, a most holy night. And that's what makes tomorrow such a joyful celebration. So kids, remember, go to bed tonight <laughs> when mom and dad say so. Or you may just have to watch the sermon again. <laughs> so happy birthday to Jesus. And may, may your Christmas just redound with joy to the glory of the Father and to his Son who has come and to the most Holy Spirit of God. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, who has any idea uh, what the shepherds were thinking that particular night. Maybe one of them had just gotten a fight with his wife before they went out into the field. <clears throat> Maybe he was just disconsolate. Maybe they're just sitting there in the quiet thinking, nothing ever exciting happens to us. Maybe they were brokenhearted. And then all of a sudden, light flooded the sky and you announced good news of great joy because the light of the world had come. And so we rejoice this night because you have sent him to earth. We rejoice this night because of who he is and we rejoice this night because of what he has accomplished on our behalf. And so as we, as we leave this evening, Lord, would you, would you fill us with joy because the light of the world has come. And would you help us to be light to anyone and everyone we come in contact with. And we ask this in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen.